I'm Haley Hayes with HF Genetics and Double H Cattle in Port Lavaca, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Farm Bill debate is well underway, but will we have a bill done when the current one expires on September 30th? We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For farmers everywhere, every growing season renews the annual battle with a variety of weeds. In the Texas High Plains, bindweed is one variety that is especially hard to control. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The importance of soil testing and the, the best return on investment for farmers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on the timing of those soil tests on Texas Ag Today. As we start the new year in Texas, gardening chores begin to line up. Please join me, John Begnos. We talk about things to do in the winter in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The 2023 Farm Bill debate is about to get serious as Congress has until September 30th to get one done. Bart Fisher, co-director of the Agriculture and Food Policy Center at Texas A&M, says he thinks it can be done. I mean, I remain optimistic because if you take the new chairman of the House Ag Committee, for example, Congressman Thompson from Pennsylvania, is laser focused on getting a bill done. And you have a lot of stability in the Senate with Senator uh, Bozeman and Senator Stabenow still in leadership over there. And so the players all know each other and they all seem motivated to get the bill done. Of course, everyone has an opinion on what should be included in this farm bill, but there seems to be unanimous agreement that the farm safety net should be strengthened. Given where we've been in agriculture, given this explosion in cost of production that producers have faced, and the fact that the farm safety net is not really designed to deal with that, that there is need for improvement to the farm safety net. And if we don't see that to some degree, what's the point of doing a farm bill if there's not meaningful improvement to the farm safety net? Fisher is the former chief economist for the House Agriculture Committee and has been through the writing of the past two farm bills. Farm bill discussion will be underway for the sheep industry this week when the American Sheep Industry Association meets in Fort Worth. Peter Orwig is the executive director of ASI. 
We're working towards our uh, convention policy planning with the ASI board in Fort Worth, Texas. And key on there will be our priorities in the Farm Bill. We've got at least three, if not four, programs that it's vitally important for us to protect, both the funding and the authorization in the Farm Bill. And there's just a lot of interest in whether you call it climate smart, carbon sequestration, but there's a lot of the ranchers that believe there might be an opportunity for incentive or revenue, possibly in the Farm Bill, under that category. The American Sheep Industry Convention will be held this Wednesday through Saturday at the Omni Hotel in Fort Worth. And speaking of sheep, the sheep market was excellent here in Texas for 2022. Texas sheep producer Warren Cude of Fort Stockton says it was a bright spot in a mostly horrible year. Oh my gosh, this past year we were selling 80-pound lambs at $300 plus a head, and then that market has kind of softened a little bit. But of course, you know, the old joke is that the sheep during the Depression and the bad years kept the cattlemen in business. And the sheep have always been uh, pretty steady. The, the sheep really work well with us in our cattle operations because they forage. They're not 100% grass eaters, so they're foraging about 25 to 35% above their head. So that really lets us utilize everything in our pastures. Texas cattle and sheep grower Warren Coo to Fort Stockton. The never-ending battle with weeds continues as we enter another growing season. James Hunt tells us bindweed is an especially tough foe on the Texas High Plains. In this time when the calendar is full of producer education meetings taking place all across the Texas High Plains, one topic on the agenda is weed control. And one particular weed that Dr. Kevin Heflin of Texas A&M AgriLife is calling attention to is bindweed, a broadleaf weed that can cause significant yield loss and is difficult to kill off. Bindweed can come back from as small as a two-inch piece of root. So if you plowed or till it, you're essentially spreading it. And the root system on bindweed, I think they've recorded it down to more than 20 feet in our area. So it's very, very difficult to control. I, I equate it to like cutting up starfish, you know, it's <laughs> the old saying, you know, you, when the fishermen used to cut them up and throw them over the side, you know, and all they were doing is making more starfish. Well, that's what happens trying to control bindweed with tillage. So what can farmers do? You have to have a dedicated program where you are going to spray it with a quality herbicide several times a year, and you're going to have to stay on it. You just cannot let it get a foothold and spread more and more. So a lot of times producers hit it with some really, I wouldn't say harsh chemicals, but very effective chemicals. But a lot of times it will sterilize the soil for a period of time in that area also. So nothing is going to grow there. But most people will take a bare patch in a field versus having bindweed spread throughout the field. Once again, that was Dr. Kevin Heflin with Texas A&M AgriLife in Amarillo. And here's another reminder to contact your local extension office about upcoming producer meetings in your area. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Soil testing can have big benefits. Tom Nicoletti has the story. At the recent 61st Annual Blackline Income Growth Conference in Waco, I caught up with Dr. Jake Maurer. He is a Texas AgriLife Extension uh, Associate Professor who uh, talked about uh, soil fertility to farmers and ranchers. And Dr. Maurer, uh, the importance of soil tests is uh, something that you emphasize. Why is that? Absolutely. It's a fundamental for any kind of farming. If you're going to add fertilizer to the soil, you absolutely need to 
test that soil first. We used to have a saying, don't guess, soil test. We currently say things like, you got to measure to manage. So think about it this way. You have a soup and you're thinking about adding salt to it, and you don't know how much salt is in there in the first place, it'd be real easy to add too much. But with farmers uh, and fertilizer, it's one of the biggest input costs. You need to know what that soil is providing before you go purchasing and applying any kind of fertilizer. Because right now, as all of our farmers know, fertilizer prices are at all-time highs. When it comes to the economic return on soil test uh, information that farmers can gather, when is the time that uh, they'll possibly reap uh, the best return on investment? The best time to soil test will be um, very, very early part of the calendar year, say January. You want to make sure that you get your soil test done and return to you with a recommendation from the laboratory in time to make your management decisions. If you do it much earlier than that, say late summer, right after harvest, conditions can change. The soil test information isn't as accurate as it can be. If you do it too late and uh, you don't get your results back in time to make your management decisions, then that can be a problem as well. That is Dr. Dr. Jake Maurer, he's with the Texas AgriLife Extension Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It may be winter, but the chores for Texas gardeners are not letting up. Horticulturalist John Begno has an update from San Angelo. Well, we think of Thanksgiving, Christmas, and even on into New Year's as a slow time for gardening in Texas. It- Rightly so, partly because of the weather, but we're also busy with family, friends, and elsewhere. So we start picking up things to do as soon as the first of the year rolls around, and it's that case again. And some of the things that we're looking at, first of all, is pruning. January is one of the best months to prune in Texas. When we talk about pruning, we're talking about trees, shrubs, talking about ground cover, and anything that's woody that you might want to bring back into bounds or improve their health by pruning. A lot of times we choose to prune because things get too big. And that's not the best thing because that can stress a lot of plants because bringing them back in bounds can challenge their root systems and in many cases can cause injury and perhaps death in the case of shrubs. On trees, we think of January and early February prime, especially in areas that have oak wilt through central Texas. It's dormant through this dead of winter, especially as cold as it has been. So it's an ideal time to get dead trees down that might have been infected by oak wilt and limbs and trees that are perfectly healthy but in the midst of oak wilt infections. So consider that. Try to get that done before mid-February in nearly every part of Texas. Shrubs, we like to delay. Ground cover, we like to delay till it gets closer to the time they're coming out. Who likes to look at naked ground or in trees or in shrubs, uh, especially shrubs? And also on turf grass. Don't be tempted to get in there with their mower and collect the leaves and scalp the yard because you want to leave it as long as you can. That's insulating layer because we could and we probably will have another couple of cold spells in January, February, as they predict, and you want that root system to be insulated. One of the best things to do in January is planting, and some of you may be startled by that comment, but planting fruit and nut trees are a prime time in January and February, and also the availability. Finally, nurseries have decided to dig these trees, or they may have even been grown in containers, but to ship these trees, peaches, plums, nectarines, apricots, or figs, pecan trees, prime time. So if you're considering a small home orchard, if you live in a rural site, or even if you just want one or two trees for your urban environment, now is the time to locate those and to plant them. So get online or get a list of acceptable trees from your uh, county extension office and you can go from there. 
Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. There are several types of toxicants that can be used to control feral hogs, but not all of them are available to Texans. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And coughing is not uncommon in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Coughing is not uncommon in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says there are a lot of different causes of coughing and the cause will determine the treatment. We have a lot of clients call our office because their horse is coughing. Dr. Erica Lacker from Florida indicates in a horse publication that there are many causes of coughing and feed-related coughs are usually associated with a hypersensitive pharyngeal area in the back of the horse's throat, while coughs that occur when any hay suggest an allergy to food, pollen, or fungal spores. Horses that cough when coming into the barn usually are allergic to barn dust or ammonia. Lots of horses with these kind of allergies develop asthma, and horses that cough while on pasture but are normal otherwise, may have summer pasture-associated asthma. Coughing at the start of exercise might be due to clearing mucus and may not be a big issue if the cough stops quickly. Coughs that persist while exercising could indicate a more serious problem like infection, asthma, or a displaced soft palate, which is a structure in the throat that decreases the ability of the horse to breathe. Coughing after exercise could indicate the horse is bleeding in the lungs, called exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage. Nasal discharge that is clear to white in a horse that is coughing is likely due to allergy or dust, while a yellow or green nasal discharge likely indicates a bacterial or fungal infection. If a fever is present with a temperature over 102.5 degrees Fahrenheit, pneumonia or other infection should be considered. Also, if the horse is lethargic or not eating as well, it is important to call your veterinarian for an exam. Although lots of clients want to start antibiotics in their horses if coughing, antibiotics are unnecessary in most cases of coughing and can even be detrimental. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are several types of toxicants that can be used to control wild hogs, but Jessica Domel says not all of them are available here in Texas. One of the ways that landowners can help control the growing feral hog population is through chemical control methods through products like warfarin, sodium nitrite, and contraceptives. Currently, only contraceptives are an option in Texas. Zach Davis, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service agent in Hill County, joins us with more. There are toxicants that have been field trialed and others that will be field trialed. Sodium nitrite completed field trial evaluation in 2021, I believe. EPA is weighing the options of a label based on that data. In the summer of 2023, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension is supposed to field trial uh, warfarin and work on, on figuring out where that fits in the game. 
At the Blackland Income Growth Conference in Waco, Davis told the crowd that warfarin has been approved by the Environmental Protection Agency, but there is no label to use it in Texas. Warfarin is an anticoagulant. When used in baits, it causes the feral hogs who consume it to die from bleeding. An application for a label for sodium nitrite, another chemical control method, is under review by EPA. It starves a feral hog's red blood cells for oxygen. Davis said the hogs who consume it essentially go to sleep and do not wake up. Contraceptives, which are an option in Texas, inhibit the reproduction of feral hogs. It relies on the hog's regular consumption of the contraceptive. Davis said during his presentation that there are many options, but there's not much proof of their effectiveness at this time. Those comments today were from Zach Davis, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Agent for Hill County. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market started the trading week lower on Tuesday, but cotton and grains gained ground. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Tuesday was our first day of market trading following the MLK holiday on Monday. We kicked off the trading week lower in the cattle complex, both live and feeder cattle closing lower Tuesday. February live cattle down 72 cents, 157 even. April down 80, 160.10, while June live cattle were down 27 to close at 156.80. January feeder cattle dropping a dollar sixty, one seventy nine sixty five. March feeders down a dollar fifty seven, one eighty one thirty. April feeder cattle down a dollar seventeen at one eighty five eighty seven. Cash fed cattle trade quiet so far this week. We wrapped up last week selling most of our cattle here in Texas at one fifty six. That is a buck lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices mixed Tuesday. Choice up 42 cents, 277.85. Select down 31, 256.24. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Rodney Butler is going to join us today from BBL Livestock. Now, Rodney and family sell every Friday. Rodney, how was this last Friday sale? We had a good sale Friday. I thought the market was pretty steady compared to last week. And we had good cattle again, so they sold good, sir. Walk the pins with us, please. All right, we had 799 head of cattle, one horse, and six goats. That old market was active. Your two to 300 pound steers, $1.51 to 240. Heifers, $1.21 to $2. 300 400 pound steers, $1.57 to 250. Heifers, $1.39 to $2. Your 400 to 500 pound steers, $1.40 to 210. Heifers, $1.41 to $1.95. 500 600 pound steers, $1.54 to $1.93. Heifers, $1.40 to $1.70. Your 600 700 pound steers, $1.51 to $1.99. 
nine. Heifers a dollar forty four to dollar eighty nine. Seven hundred to eight hundred pounds steers were a dollar forty four to dollar seventy five, and heifers were a dollar twenty six to dollar forty eight. Market was kind of up and down, but it just depended on the quality of the cattle compared to weight. Packer cows brought anywhere from thirty four to seventy seven cent. Bulls brought from seventy to a dollar eight. Our young stalker cows brought anywhere from seventy seven to a dollar fourteen. We didn't have any pears or bred cows. We had one horse, and he brought three hundred fifty bucks, sir. What do you think about this Friday's sale? I know of several bunches of cattle coming this week. I know of 76 black cross steers and heifers mix, 65 packer cows, 100 black and black molly face and F1 steers and heifers. They'll be mixed weight. And then I know of 30 black steers and heifers coming, and they're going to be on the lighter weight side. Good. you got a great start to a wonderful sale in Beeville coming this Friday. You folks get out and make it even better. Rodney, tell them how to do so. Yes, sir. Young, reach me there at the sale barn at 361-358-1727. Or young, reach me on my mobile, 645-5002. Rodney, thanks for the call. We appreciate you. Take care. Thank you. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in deep south Texas reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs were mixed on Tuesday. February hogs down 20 cents, 78.45. April hogs up 85 cents, 88.12. Class 3 milk mixed also. The nearby January up a nickel, 1951 100 weight, while February milk was down 5 cents, 1854 100. The cotton market closed slightly higher, short covering and bottom picking both helping to push the market slightly higher. March contract up 53 points, 82.82. May cotton up 48 at 83.08. December cotton up 72 points, 81.51 cents. Another day of higher gains in the corn market. We've been higher ever since Thursday morning's USDA supply and demand report. We've added about 30 cents onto this market since Thursday. USDA estimating the second lowest U.S. ending corn stocks in nine years and the drought in Argentina, all helping to push corn prices higher. March corn up 10 and a quarter, 685 and a quarter. May corn up 9, 682 and three quarters, while September corn was up a nickel, 619 and a quarter. Same thing in the wheat market. We did trade lower earlier in the session, but we ended up higher in both hard and soft wheat. USDA report last week helping to push prices higher. U.S. ending wheat stocks in last week's report estimated at 567 million bushels. That's the lowest in 15 years. March Kansas City wheat up 12 cents, 855 and three quarters. March Chicago wheat up eight at 751 and three quarters. In the energy markets, February natural gas up 23 cents Tuesday at 364. February West Texas crude up a dollar twenty-four, eighty-one ten a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down three hundred seventy-one points, thirty-three thousand nine thirty-one. The Nasdaq up twenty, eleven thousand ninety-nine. The S and P down six, three thousand nine ninety-two. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.